And just for a few more moments for the reading of our opening text, you can just dismiss the worship team. Found in Matthew chapter 27, verse 50, and I'm actually going to cover a few verses after that, but I just want to read the first one. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. Now, it's very important to realize it doesn't say that he died. It said that he gave up his spirit because nobody could kill the Lord. He freely released his spirit, which is an amazing thing that he did. Father, we come before you and we ask that you would take these next few minutes to, to speak to our heart as we recognize what you're doing in our lives. Lord, I ask that you'd move and touch people's lives through the word, through the video, through the song. I ask that you'd move and touch it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Go ahead and take your chairs. And always happens when for some reason, God always works things out because I started talking about the Holy Spirit four weeks ago. This is our fifth week. And it lands, this whole series ends on Easter, which is what I like to focus on. Well, people, some, many like to focus just on his resurrection, and it's a great thing. I like to focus on why he resurrected. Um, some people say, well, he resurrected because he wanted to die for your sin, which is, that is true. But that's not the end story. He wanted to die for your sin because he had to prepare you for something that he had in store for you. See, his intent in heaven was just to make you in his, the creative state. And he needed a vessel where he could put his spirit into. But because of sin, such a vessel did not exist. So his death was not only to cleanse the vessel, which is the first step, but it was also his life was to send another like him to you. And that's really what Easter is all about. So we've talked about uh, many people who fail to possess that power. In fact, in Acts chapter 19, there's a man by the name of Paulus, and he was at Corinth, and he had followed John the Baptist, and he had repented from his bad life. He didn't want to live like that no more. And then Paul asked him a simple question, well, who were you baptized by? Or what were you baptized with? Do you know, do you know about the baptism of fire? And Paulus was a very intelligent man. He said, we never heard of that. The Bible goes on to say that Paul laid his hand and began, to, and after he taught him about the Holy Spirit, laid his hand and he received the Holy Spirit. Twelve disciples there who did not understand that Holy Spirit. See, the only way for you to be open to the touch of the Holy Spirit, like I'm speaking to us now, is you have to understand who he is and why he wants to touch you and why you need to be touched by him. And that is only done by understanding, gaining knowledge. The enemy's plan is to keep you ignorant of the fact that you are the most powerful weapon on the earth. Forget a WMD, amen. You are the most powerful weapon on earth, but because we're so inundated by everything else, we, we, don't, even, we don't access that power. Now Luke, the physician, we talked about him. He was a doctor, and, and he's writing this book about a man who had been resurrected. Go figure, they had never heard of such a thing. How, how could a man be resurrected? 
And the book of Acts says there in chapter 1, Dear Theophilus, in my first book I told you about everything Jesus began to teach and do. Until the day he ascended to heaven, after giving his chosen apostles further instructions from the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. On these occasions, he talked to them about the kingdom of God. So he, Luke recounts the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit. And despite our distraction, God wants us to be more aware of the Holy Spirit. And last week, if you were here, if you weren't, get the it goes on video, it's on our Facebook page. You can understand what that power is. Paul asked him, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And I am confident that there are people here today that have not received the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. Luke wrote in Acts chapter 1 and 5, he said, John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And he goes on to say that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive, and here's the key, power. People say, well, do you know Jesus? Oh, I love, you love Jesus, you have Jesus, okay. My next question is, do you have power? What do you mean power? Do you have power? And most people are like, what do you mean power? What are you talking about? I go, do you have power? Because if you met Jesus, that means the next step is that you were baptized with the Holy Spirit. And if you were baptized with the Holy Spirit, the third step means that you have power. Now, if you don't have power, my friend, I hate to tell you something. You may not know Jesus. You may know about him. But the evidence is you have power. And then if you have power, you can't keep it to yourself. You just have power, right? Because you, you can't control power. It's just, it just wants, it wants to come out of you. Amen? Amen. See, in Matthew 27, 50, it says this. When Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. See, at that point, the precious Lamb of God gave up his spirit. At that moment, it says, the Bible says that the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom, which is very significant because no man could reach the top of the temple. And they tore from the top to the bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split. And in 27, Matthew 27, 52, the tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs, and after Jesus was resurrected, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So not only was Jesus brought from the dead, from the grave, rather, but he says the power was so great, it says many, estimates say several hundred people came out of the grave with him and began to testify that Jesus was alive. See, Jesus died for a reason, and that we might have Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes, and he came on that day in Pentecost. Acts 2.1 reads, On the day of Pentecost, seven weeks after the resurrection, the believers were meeting together in one place. That day, that Pentecost was the great Jewish national holiday. It's also called the, the Feast of the Harvest, or the Feast of Weeks. And to fully understand why Jesus resurrected and they waited in the upper room. The feast of harvest, very significant. Why? Because God intended on harvesting a new people. It was that harvest time. He tells them to go to the upper room and wait. John 16, 7 says, I tell you the truth, it is good 
It is for your good that I go away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you, but before I go, I will send him to you. Verse 13 of the same chapter, when he, the spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. The day of Pentecost, that glorious day, that is when the Holy Spirit came and began to fill the church general. Because the Holy Spirit had touched individuals, specific individuals during specific times, but it never came to a people in, in mass form to touch everybody. The Holy Spirit will guide you. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. This day, the first church submitted to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And Acts 2 described how the apostles made themselves available. They said, okay, we're going to go to this upper room. Acts 2, 2, if you want to follow me, you can. It said, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm in the skies above them. And it filled the house where they were meeting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. We call, this is called the baptism of fire. What this can be most identified is, with, with, is when God would lead Moses as a pillar of fire. God traveled and he spoke to his people from that fire. In Numbers chapter 9, it talks about they would be camped and God would rest upon them as fire. And when the fire moved, they would break camp and they would follow the fire as the Lord commanded. In verse 18, he says he would camp again and they would stay there sometimes days, sometimes weeks, sometimes years. But not until the fire moved, or should I say, until the fire moved, they would remain there. And once it moved, they would follow the Lord as the Lord commanded through Moses. So in Numbers chapter 9, verse 15 to 23, you see that story. And these people only moved under fire. Fire. So oftentimes in this day and age, many people move and claim many great things, but have no fire. So they're not moving properly. They're not moving under fire. They're moving under their own unction. Listen, we need to be a people under fire. So when, you, when you've been baptized by the Holy Spirit, you will move only when you're instructed to do so. And everything you do, everything you do, listen, you do will be for God's honor and God's glory. The resurrection opened the door to be where the Lord is, to find his glory. So God comes and he does it in a unique way. It just doesn't come uh, in the way that has always happened. There was an evidence that came forth that, that kind of tripped people out when God came. Again, he wanted to bring you to him. And what happened when these people were filled with the Holy Spirit, it says that they began to speak in a strange language. Now, what, what is, you have to understand this great festival in Jerusalem, people from all across the known world, did a journey, made their journey to Jerusalem for this great festival. So there were cultures from Persia, from Arabia, 
from Africa, from all across Europe, that had come and they converged on Jerusalem for this festival. So there were many different languages. So God, in his infinite wisdom, baptized these simple people, these disciples, these 120, and they began to speak in languages they'd never spoke before. And what happened was the people heard them talk and understood them. So they were sharing the gospel. In verse 11 of Acts 2, it says, and we, were, we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful thing God has done. They stood there perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd were, were mocking. They said, oh, these guys, they're just drunk. And that happens. You get a crowd of people, and some people were believing. Well, the person next to you is like, yeah, right, this guy's talking neck. It happens in every gathering. But it was under this power that Peter began to preach to the crowd. And Acts 2.14 says, Then Peter stepped forward with the eleven other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully. And he begins to preach. He said, Make no mistake about this. This man that you crucified, Jesus, was the Son of God. And he goes on and on and begins to drive home a message. So we are here in these last days and, and the fire of the Holy Spirit is promised that it will be upon all people. Sons, daughters. And, and Peter shares that, that sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see vision. Old men will dream dreams. Evidence of the last days. And he's speaking to the crowd. And in verse 22, he says this. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus of Nazareth by doing wonderful miracles, wonders and signs through him. As you well know, but you follow God's prearranged plan with the help of lawless Gentiles. Again, listen, you followed God's prearranged plan with the help of lawless Gentiles. You nailed him to a cross and murdered him. Remember, he's telling Jews from all across the world the endorsement of God's miracles upon Jesus' life, Jesus' death through a prearranged plan. See, his death was needed, like I said earlier, so a vessel could rightly hold God's spirit. But sin kept that God's spirit out. See, the, we, the reason why people don't walk in power is they're so busy walking in sin. Oh, they may be in church and say, God bless you, hallelujah. But they walk out the door and they go, welcome hell to do you. See, we got to stop that. So if we want the power, we got we to run from sin. Listen, I'm human. Sin knocks on your door. Sin yells at you every single day. And we have to fight it off. Doesn't mean you'll be perfect. Of course not. But it doesn't mean you'll be crazy to just, just to follow the lust of your desires. See, sin kept us from the power. See, now the stage is set. The sacrifice is complete. Jesus resurrected. Many dead saints also resurrected and testified about Jesus. So Jesus' resurrection set the stage for the mass introduction of the Holy Spirit into the lives of those who would believe. Listen, if you're here and you don't believe what I'm saying, it's all right. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He won't bother you. And he'll let you walk out the door the same way you walked in. That's on you. But if you believe, 
But if you believe, see, but if you believe, you'll walk out this door different. You can't be the same. So I understand that as I'm, I'm speaking, as the songs are going, there's other voices going too. Well, I rebuke those voices because they have no authority here. Hmm? See, Acts 2.24 says, and P- Peter continues his message, his first message, really the first message of the church. However, God released him from the horrors of death and raised Jesus back to life again. For death could not keep him in its grip. King David said this about him. I know the Lord is always with me. I should not be shaken for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is filled with joy. My mouth shout his praise. My body rests in hope. Verse 27, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life and you give me wonderful joy. In your presence. There's joy in his presence. That's what I tell people. Hey, you go to Victor Outreach. You're not not bum-kicked outreach. (laughs) You know, it it is impossible. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. It is impossible to be filled with the power that created the heavens and earth and be bum-kicked and be depressed. Listen, oh, but my doctor diagnosed me. I'm bipolar. You ain't bipolar. Get out of sin and let God deliver you. I'd be bipolar if I was still getting high. I'd be tripolar, amen? <laughs> Forget bipolar. Uh, the psychiatrist said I'm 5150. That means clinically I'm crazy. Hallelujah. See, but the power of God, the power that is available to all of us through the resurrection deals with all that. The reason it doesn't deal with it in your life, if it doesn't deal with it, is because you're not filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm going to say it again. I always say it. Most Christians cannot get filled with the power of the Holy Ghost because they're too full of themselves. So if you remember, Peter had little understanding of the scriptures. He was a fisherman. He wasn't a, a prophet or a priest, a scribe or a Pharisee. He was just a fisherman, a normal, everyday kind of guy. But a few days earlier, he, that's all he was. But now, listen, now led by the Spirit, he brings out hidden truth that no man had known. The fact that David was prophesying about Jesus. The fact that David even shared who God was. And Peter says this about Jesus because people didn't understand who the Lord was. He said that he sits on the throne in the highest honor of heaven. Understand, no man could sit on the throne, only God could sit on the throne. It says he sits there at the right hand of the Father and he had promise. He gave him the Holy Spirit to pour upon us just as you see here today. For David himself never ascended into heaven yet. He said, the Lord said to my Lord, the Lord, capital L, said to my Lord, little L, sit in honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies and make them a footstool, footstool under your feet. See, the right hand signifies power. Now, that's very important because Jesus says, all power, all power in heaven and in earth has been given to him. He, in turn, says, I give it to you. 
Now that wasn't, that wasn't like, you know, just a chance saying. He's saying, I am giving you power. Power. Jesus, Lord, Messiah. The Messiah is the instrument by whom God's kingdom is established in the world. The Messiah. Acts 27. And as we get there, there's a video. And talks about who Jesus is. But old time preacher passed away many years ago. And he says there in verse 37, Peter's word convinced them deeply, or rather convicted them deeply. And they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? There's the key. And this is a question for you. Resurrection Sunday. Okay, great. Some of our kids practice Easter egg. I have no problem with that. But that's not what it's about. Resurrection Sunday, what should you do? Well, they asked Peter that same thing. And he says this, each of you, now listen, I'm talking to you. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to me. Each of you must turn from your sins and turn to God. First step, you must turn from your sins and turn to God. I know that's a challenge because some of you, you know, especially men, you got like church chases too many skirts. You, you don't want to turn from your skin. You just want to just turn your head when they walk by you. Some of you ladies don't want to give up sin because you just like sin. You like things. So I'm telling you, if you want the power, there's a first step. It doesn't mean, it doesn't say come to church and repeat these words. No, 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 no. That's a man-made idiom. What he says, if you want this power, you need to turn from what? Sin. Then he, he says, and be baptized. Be baptized in the name that is above every name. Jesus Christ. Be baptized in Jesus Christ. Now, that doesn't mean you got to get dunked in water, although you can get dunked in water, and we, we do that every year. But he's not saying that. It's a completely different thing. It means that you're rearranging your authority, your authority, and you're saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to give you complete authority. Now, once you've entrusted your complete authority into him, then he says, okay, once you've done that, we've made this deal, we've made this pact, this holy union, this commitment, this contract, if you will, then you'll be baptized. Boom. Repent. Commit. Be baptized. That's it. Very simple. That's what the resurrection Sunday is all about. It's not about just saying that Jesus, I love Jesus. Oh, do you know? I know Jesus. If you know Jesus, you're in great company. The devil knows who Jesus is. We need more. We need repentance. We need commitment. And once you do that, God will baptize you. That's the only reason why people will leave the altar and not get baptized. Because in their heart, they're saying, no, man, I got too much things that I want to do. For little things, little tiny things. I still want to, you know, have a beer, drink, or get loaded. I still want to do this. I say, okay, you can do that. Go ahead with your bad self. You can. But if you want the power, you can't. You want the power, you can't do that no more. You have to turn around. Now, does anybody want the power? Yeah. Each of you must turn from your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit.
The Bible says my king is a king of the Jews. He's a king of Israel. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a well-trained of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your head. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Do you know him? Well, if you don't know him, I hope you do from this day forward. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. Peter describes two things that begins your conversion. Turn from your sins. Stop living a life led by sin. Repent. Turn to God. It's insufficient to be a good person or a sinful person. You must turn to the one and true God.
Be baptized in the name of Jesus. Then the promise is you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, verse 39, the last verse of this great story, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Those who accepted this message were baptized. As we sing this next worship song, I'm going to ask those of you as every head is bowed, every eye closed, that perhaps you've been away from the Lord. You haven't been where you should be. There's a sin, and maybe nobody knows it but you and the Lord. But today, God has spoken to you, and you want to stop. You want to turn around. 